People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, inviting you to join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can follow us on Facebook. You can reach us with your comments, questions, suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our long-awaited YouTube channel. And now on with this week's episode. Hello, and how are you, Brothers Talk family around the world? Wherever you are listening in and holding your critical thinking conversations, promote activism, and uplift our people everywhere, welcome. You're appreciated, and we also say welcome to all first-time listeners for tuning in, and we look forward to you helping with the work of encouraging and educating while we endorse and inspire new and existing Black businesses and individuals to empower and enrich the Black community. Your weekly coronavirus awareness alert, because we care, is that along with the continuing the late summer wave of moderate increase in COVID cases across the country, there's a new variant that's so different from the prevailing Omicron strain that it evolved from that it has its own name, Parola. And it has been listed by the World Health Organization as a variant under monitoring, which means that they're following it closely to determine if it's more severe and resistant to existing vaccines. The new boosters for the existing XBB variants won't be available until September, and there's new reporting that they're more effective if you continue to get them in the same arm. It seems that the number of killer T-cells is greater due to the proximity of the same lymph nodes. So as always, if you haven't gotten your vaccination, please do so. And remember, you should still wear a mask in crowds as the best protection because masks prevent infections and transmission of all airborne respiratory infections. As summer winds down, people are still traveling for weddings, reunions, and vacations, as well as college students going off or returning to school with their families. So remember to carry and use plenty of disinfectants to kill all these viruses that also include the flu, RSV2, and the common cold rhinovirus, all of which is a good thing to do, period. So come on, people. We can and we must do better. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Noam. Thanks, Rod. And thanks, family, for your continued support. And we're going to keep hammering uh, this whole theme about the coronavirus because it, it's here. It's his. It's here, people. And I see people still, and I say this every week, and I'm going to continue to say it. I'm going to continue to preach it. And we're going to continue to talk about this until people wake up, pay attention, be responsible, stop acting like a kid. Quit complaining about wearing a mask temp- temporarily. It's not like you're wearing a mask 24-7. But if if the virus, this new strand, if it turns out to be as deadly as previous virus and as a contagious, I've heard that it was more contagious. And one of the problems is that when it mutates, there are multiple mutations at the same time. And so also that is smarter because it knows how to avoid the uh uh the the antidote well not the antidote but but the vaccine that kind of gives me pause when you got a virus that is smart enough to avoid the vaccine uh now I'm beginning to actually thinking it may be a 
conspiracy that this may be something that's really man-made, you know, uh, that it's evolving that way. But as Ron said, wear your mask, take care of yourself, your loved ones. Let's get through this virus. Act responsible like a responsible adult, adult should and take care of your family and yourself, your loved ones. Norm? Thanks, Scott. I just wanted to take a moment to talk about the Congressional Black Congress. Recently, they've begun to speak out in regards to black issues, you know, things that, that we're having uh, conflicts in this country with in regards to policy, procedure, what have you. That's because now they're trying to be noticed and they're trying to make black people aware that they need our votes. And because Cornell West is a real threat to the corporate structure of the Democratic Party, please. Be aware of what's going on in this country in regards to our representation. And remember, Cornell West is a threat to the corporate structure, which does not represent our needs or best interests in this country. All right. So this week, we're once again at the point of discussing the need to control our own narrative because when others end up telling our stories, they take the kind of liberties that ended up effectively costing us billions of dollars. And that includes when we look at the history books and all of the inventions. But a, a glaring example that came out this past week that had to do with Michael Orr, the subject of the movie and the book, The Blind Side. And for those of you who may not know, this was the young African-American boy who was a football player who ended up being taken in by a white family. And he went to college in Miss at Mississippi State, I think it was, and ended up being drafted into the NFL and having a fairly successful career. And so it comes out now that he's suing them because, in essence, the movie took a lot of liberties with his life. They portrayed him as being functionally illiterate. They basically said he had no idea who his parents are, and they basically had these white people who were the family coming to the rescue, as they have done in so many other movies when it comes to making themselves look better at our expense. Because the truth of the matter was that the family actually met Michael Orr in a private school for the gifted and talented. So certainly he was not illiterate and he did know who his parents are, but that didn't make good fiction for a movie that made over a half a billion dollars, as I understand it. And so they ended up not, he didn't get the kind of royalties that he should have gotten from the movie and whatnot, because they also portrayed in the movie that he had been adopted by this family, which he was not. They signed a conservatorship, which is a kind of guardianship, which allowed them to make deals on his behalf. And so you have these kinds of situations that show up. I mean, it, it's everywhere you look, whether you're looking at how the media portrayed Jonathan Majors after the white woman made the accusations against him. And when the truth came to light, she's not even in this country anymore, but he's still having to fight to clear his name because they actually uncovered that she was the one who actually attacked him. Uh, Scott, I think you mentioned the Michael Irvin situation and there are just so many others like the, the green book movie that was so, so lauded years ago about the 
which had nothing to do with the actual Green Book, but actually made a hero out of this white Italian driver that was nothing more than a chauffeur for this Black uh, musical genius. But according to the movie, you know, he was basically impotent in a way that he couldn't deal with even his own people. But here you have the heroic white guy, and that's the kind of story that always seems to resonate with white America and another reason why we have to control the narrative of our own stories. Yeah, exactly right, Rod. I mean, if you if you just look through history and you name a few of them, uh, anytime there is a, a movie when uh, there's a, typically they're going to have like a, a white person who is like a parental or parent figure, even if they haven't actually portrayed them as adopting the black person, but they're always, there's always this situation where there is a, a like Simone Bias. I don't know all the details of that situation, but I'm pretty sure when you dig into it, it's not the way that it's been portrayed in the media or, or when they, they're probably going to do a, a story about her life. I'm surprised if they haven't already done one. I don't know. But uh, you got situations like that. And what it brings to mind to me is that, especially in this climate, what's going on right now in this country, it appears that it's okay to lie and and win. And it's all about winning for white people. It's not about being fair or doing what's right. And we've all seen it. We've seen this, and we see it on display now. Uh, the same Rod, you, you know, you mentioned that what Rudy Giuliani did to the uh, mother and, and daughter in Atlanta, just lied and said and and tried to get them to lie. There were people subsequently followed up with them to try to get them to admit that they had done something wrong with voting ballots when they haven't. But it was widely reported in the news media. They was characterized as basically, you know, criminals, thugs, can't be trusted. And and yet Rudy Giuliani, who admitted that he lied, seems to get a pass. Uh, and it's not just with black folks, but typically we're talking about black folks. It, it happened typically it happened to black folks more often. But even when you take a look at at, at the Zuckerbergs of the world, who basically stole uh, the whole Facebook. The whole platform, the whole idea, he basically stole it and he's been lauded as a hero, as this great genius, as this same thing with Elon Musk, you know, bought himself into uh, Tesla. But yet people think that he's this brilliant genius that basically he's stolen somebody else's company, you know. Uh, well, he didn't steal it, but he he bought into it. And he's it's as if he's one of the main uh, founders of the company. But we have we see this time and time again where there's the effort, there's a huge effort to paint white people as heroes and black people as either villains or they're ignorant, they're uneducated, and it takes a white person to to save them. Say uh Allah Tarzan, you know, he goes to Africa, Tarzan. All the movies you saw growing up, watching Tarzan, and Tarzan was the this great white superhero, and all of these black people who know the jungle, who lived in Africa, 
all of their lives, they can't really survive without Tarzan. My favorite example of this white hero worship would be the film Mississippi Burning. Literally, you have the FBI, which at that very same time was waging war against Black America in the uh, Contel Pro program, literally coming to Mississippi and playing the hero in this film by finding the dead civil rights workers and arresting those that perpetrated the murders, literally. And at the very same time, they knew that these men were murdered. They knew who killed them. They knew where the bodies were and were forced by national outrage to go and actually do something about it. And they were pretty much complicit in their murders as well because they were not in any way, shape, or form defending the rights of Black people in this country. They were on the very opposite side. So literally, you know, that along with the AP banning in this country of Black history and the banning of CRT, which is not even taught in schools, we see an outline for the white Americans literally and their need to be the hero and on the right side of everything. And see, some might say, well, you're talking about entertainment. So what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that in this country and a lot of countries around the world, too many people take what they see on the big screen and on the little screen as fact. And because you don't have anything to contradict that, there are folks who like to take those stories as the real truth. I mean, just think about, you know, we're of the generation that grew up with TV shows like Different Strokes. You know, two little black boys taken in by the white millionaire, uh, Webster, a uh, little black boy taken in by a white family, the white shadow with this white coach who was went into the inner city and was every week being the savior of these inner city black kids on a basketball team. Welcome back, Cotter, you know, uh, uh, a teacher who went back to the inner city where he grew up because now it's all these minority kids. And he again is the guy who rescues them week in and week out. And so there becomes that kind of brainwashing that leads to people actually seeing that. And there are a lot of people who are of our generation who still have that nonsense in their head because there was nothing to counteract it. You know, it's as simple as the article though, the letter rather that Tom Hanks wrote to the New York Times, where he was literally lambasting the fact that he had never been told about the Tulsa race riots. He said, you know, he, that couldn't be true because he'd never been taught about it. He'd taken multiple history courses and studied history throughout his life, but he had never heard of the Tulsa race riots that destroyed Black Wall Street. And so when at least he was courageous enough to make that statement, but imagine then that even he was at least willing to want to know, but so many others have just taken the other nonsense for fact. And that's the case that we're making for why we have to be able to control our own narrative. You know, and and, and that's why uh, I, I, I said I blame the media uh, because that's, that's, that's really the, the mechanism of the medium that they use because they, they're reaching so many people and they're portraying white people, and and it is it, really, really uh, insulting and is nonsense when they're portraying white people 
as the savior of black people. But at the same time, you got this one group of people that's been holding black people down with the knee on the neck for the last 400 plus years. Uh, you, you have this situation on, Noam, you mentioned about CRT and teaching CRT in school system. Well, they're taking black books, black authors out of libraries and closing some libraries as if they're going to, and they're going to, with an attempt to try to rewrite history, which was just insane because you can't do it. There's no way that you're going to do it. You can make an effort. But but my, my point is, where are the people who have the microphone, who uh, have the platform, they're on TV or radio. Uh, well, you have a few black voices out there trying to say something, but they've been drowned out because they're they're not being supported by their white counterparts on, on TV or radio and who are not standing up saying, hey, CRT is not being taught in high school. It's not being taught in middle school. People not even saying that. Or you got a situation where uh, we saw with our own eyes what happened on January the 6th. And it's been this huge effort to whitewash that as if uh, I got black friends who were saying, oh, no, you know, they they were just there. Uh, it, it was a tour. And I'm like, you know, uh, I've seen tours. I've been on tours. And as a matter of fact, you called me when this was happening. And with your own eyes, you saw that these people were trying to overthrow the government, but you've been watching the media, and the media on some stations have been saying that, oh no, they over it's overblown, blown. It was it was just it was just a tour, kind of nonsense. And you don't have enough people putting that kind of crap down. And that's why we're in this situation. And I guess that's why we're having this kind of show, because just, just keep it real. Just tell the truth. The truth of the matter is uh, there was nothing positive about slavery. Uh, nothing happened positive for black people about slavery. Black people are continually uh, being attacked. And yet what you see on TV is a situation where there are white people who are out here saving black folks. You even have you know, textbooks being written, and I believe it was Texas, where they replaced the word slave and with immigrants. You know, they're trying to minimize any possible, you know, carnage that this practice has caused in regards to American history. And CRT, as you oh, we already mentioned, it's not being taught, but that's used as a wedge to eliminate teaching any real history, which is what they've done with the AP African American Studies. They've aligned that with CRT, especially in Arkansas and Florida. So now you really can't teach anything in regards to American history that's not approved by the white power structure. But my real question here is, what is the African-American community doing about taking power in our local communities in regards to school boards and what's being taught to our children and what our children you know, are learning and not learning? We have to do a better job ourselves in this regard. So we're going to leave it right there for you.
And in our Black Business Spotlight, meet Charlie, Leah, Micah, and Jordan Hamilton, four Black teenage siblings aged 11 to 15 from Anne Arundel County, Maryland, making history as the owners of Twice as Nice Shaved Ice, their own food truck where they sell delicious snowballs and their famous snowcap lemonade. In 2018, they started the business after their mother, Charbonne, inspired them to start their entrepreneurial journey. Through the initial investment from their parents, they launched the snowball business with just one snowball machine they purchased from a pawn shop, a table, and a tent offering 10 flavors of snowballs and snowcap lemonade. Although running a business comes with challenges like long working hours at events and dealing with difficult customers, the sisters remain determined and patient. They also strive to keep their prices affordable, making their treats accessible to everyone. Twice as nice shaved ice is primarily booked for private events within a 20-mile radius of their home, but they're open to traveling farther for special opportunities. But their ambition doesn't stop at their current success. They aspire to expand to more trucks and teach other young people how to run the business. It's always something to keep them productive, even during school breaks. Beyond managing their business, the four sisters have diverse career goals, ranging from entrepreneurship to sports medicine. Twins Charlie and Leah particularly wanted to attend an HBCU. The girls split all their profits equally, allocating a percentage for spending and the rest for their college funds, a car, and other long-term investments. Learn more about their business via its official website at twiceasnicesshavedice.com and also follow them on Instagram at twiceasnicesshavedice. That's a wrap for this show. And remember, you can share your thoughts with us and follow and communicate with us by sending your thoughts and your comments, as well as your questions and show ideas to the Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us to brotherstalk at gmail.com. And as always, God willing, we'll continue to keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Until our next episode, know that we sincerely appreciate your time and interest and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And finally, let's all do better today because that's all we really have.